welcome to KHEM's um, podcast. This is Pat Peterson, and with me today is Pam Oaks. Pam teaches at the College of St. Scholastica in Minnesota. Uh, welcome, Pat. Thanks. So tell me a little bit about your professional practice experience, your PPE. How, how have you set that up at your program? Well, we have um, an 80-hour on-site experience for all of our bachelor-level students, and we have both an on-ground uh, bachelor's program and an online program. So uh, both programs have the 80-hour uh, on-site requirements. Okay. And then in addition to the, that 80 hours of on-site um, uh, live training, is there any sort of um, lab component or no? Well, we do have actually um, uh, a course, two courses related to the professional practice experience. One is a course uh, that prepares them to go out on the site. So um, that entails more content related to professional behavior and also goes through all of the uh, PPE competencies that we require them to address when they're on site. So we have one course that prepares them, then they go on site, and then they come back and take another course, our seminar course, where they actually submit a comprehensive report and present on their experiences. And then we, in addition to that, we um, prepare them for resume writing, interviews, talk about job opportunities, and studying for the RHIA exam. So those two courses are all a part of the PPE experience. Okay. Earlier in the program, we do have one course where we uh, do a a lot with the virtual lab, the HEMA virtual lab, and it is classroom-based, but we try to give them some more hands-on type experience uh, using some virtual methods. Okay, got it. So they, they do get that uh, simulation lab, but that it's earlier in their experience, yes. then they've got their field-based practicum of 80 hours, and then they come back into the course, uh, into the classroom experience to share with others what they've learned. Exactly. Yeah, cool. Um, about how many students do you typically place in a given term, and do you place year-round or just in the spring? We place about 20 to 30 in any given term, and we've set it up so that our online students are actually on-site at facilities in the fall semester, and our on-ground traditional students go out in the spring semester. So that's really so we can distribute the workload both on our end from the placements and also the sites so that if by chance the site is willing to take students both uh, fall and spring, we can do that um, more easily without wearing them down too much. Sure. And, and that's a pretty recent development for a lot of schools. Traditionally, it was just sending them out in the spring, but, you know, as the programs have grown, it seems like uh, other programs, as well as your own, are kind of dividing some of that load up. Right. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to um, find sites, and it's a lot of work for them to host a student, so we try to divide things up if we can. Sure. Now, do you place your students in the summer term, or is it strictly um, fall and spring? Strictly fall and spring. Okay. Well, um, tell me a little bit about the, the number of affiliation sites you have for this, uh, and, and it was about, what, approximately 20 per time that you're sending out? Right. We actually have contracts for almost, well, just over 300 sites. Wow. Now, with that said, of course, we're not using all of them sure. uh, at any given time. 
Uh, we tend to have contracts with um, hospitals and healthcare systems, also IT vendors, quality improvement organizations. So we do go um, outside the traditional realm. And we, we have so many contracts because we have online students all over the country. So we might use one site one time in three years or five that's years right. or something like that. So that's why the number is so high. Okay, tell me a little bit more about that finding um, that that placement for that online student. That seems to be a challenge for some programs where they're saying, you know, we don't have local relationships because it could be a totally different state. Um, how do you approach that? What is your philosophy for securing those out-of-state or those distance-type placements? Right. It can be a challenge, that's for sure. Uh, we are, are fortunate that St. Scholastica has been around for a long time, so we have alumni that are working in many states. So that is probably our, our best strategy is reaching out to alum and seeing if either they can host a student or they know someone who can host a student. So we make a lot of connections that way. Um, otherwise, of course, closer to home, we have um, more alumni, but also organizations that just are aware of us and are willing to, to work with us um, because we also have other health professions at the college. There's contracts in place um, that maybe they have have set up, and then we kind of see what's already in place and who's willing to take students, and we'll, we'll piggyback on that. But I would say it's alumni that we network with most for those out-of-state sites. Great. That, that's a great tip. So how do you stay in touch with your alumni? You know, sometimes once they graduate, that's it. How, how, do you, right. how, do you, how do you make that link with them? Well, we, of course, as everyone does, encourage them to stay in touch, and that can be hit and miss. But we do travel to state conventions as much as we can um, and try to connect with our alumni there. If we're having a exhibit booth, we'll let them know that we're going to be there. Uh, we do a lot of, actually recently just started some social media um, activities and initiatives. So we're now on Facebook and Twitter, um, a little bit on Instagram. So we're getting the word out there so that they don't forget about us. And then we also have started um, doing some different uh, career series type um, interviews with alumni and we send out advertisements about that. So it seems like anything we can do to help alum maybe get a continuing education credit or a um, just some connection to us so that they don't lose touch, it seems to help. That's a great idea. I hadn't really heard of um, sort of offering some uh, online type CEUs or some type yeah. of opportunities to stay in touch. In other words, uh, it's sort of a, a thank you for, for them reaching out to you and, and staying close. Right. I think the other thing I didn't mention about our um, mentors is that we do offer them a discount on one course at St. Scholastica if they host a student. Okay. So that's been um, that's been pretty popular, especially for those who maybe are in our master's programs. Maybe they graduated from the, the bachelor's program and now they're in the master's and they're in the work setting. Uh, they're happy to get a discount on a course by uh, mentoring a student. So that's been very successful as well. That's a great idea. And I think that could probably be applicable to any program, even an associate right. degree, because you might have somebody who's working in that HIM department that is not credentialed that could really benefit from taking, say, a legal course. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
Um, so let's let's go back, uh, revisit the, the the large number of affiliation sites you have. And you just mentioned that some of them are non-traditional. Talk talk to me a little bit about um, outside of that acute care setting. What are some examples that you have on on your affiliations? Okay, we um, we've used uh, Just Associates out of Denver a lot. They they um, work with facilities on primarily cleaning up master patient indexes um, and some other technology issues. So we've used them. We have right in Duluth an outsourcing company called SISU, and they um, they help rural sites manage their IT functions. So we've used them. Uh, we have had someone at our rural health uh, consortium here in town. I'm trying to think where else we've been. Um, sometimes we are actually in a healthcare system, but the student's home base is the quality improvement department or it's the credentialing department because that's just where we had a HIM alumni working. So then that person will coordinate visits to other areas of the facility. So we've, we've done um, departments that maybe aren't as commonly used as well, but those people are always more than happy to connect our students to others in the facility. That's a great that's a great reminder too. Think beyond the HIM department to mm-hmm. areas like quality and, and um, perhaps it, you may have alumni working in the IT department as liaisons. Right. Yeah, that's a great example. We have um, here in Duluth that's very common. So we have a lot of our recent grads actually. They're pretty excited. That's one thing to really build on those recent grads because they have a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> still for helping those behind them coming through. So they like to share their experiences. So we actually have our uh, most success with our newer graduates and many of them tend to be in the IT department. Sure, great, good good point. Um, looking, putting on your, your, your PPE uh, coordinator hat, about how much time do you give yourself to work up a, a student site visit? Is is that something that you measure in weeks or months? Or talk to me about that. Right. We do measure that in months. Um, okay. We tend to actually, as soon as one semester of students are done, they're, they've gone and come back, we start working with the next group. So it's about a five to six month lead time. And, you know, it sometimes doesn't take that long if we already have a contract in place and we know that facility. But if it's a brand new place, it takes some time to get a contract uh, together and um, communicate with the facility that way. And then we try mm-hmm. to get our students to, um, you know, get going on their background checks and their immunizations and those sorts of things as well. Okay. So if we're saying maybe a five or six month uh, lead up, how do you know, how do you identify that student that you need to start working on as a PPE coordinator? Yeah, we identify them uh, fairly early. Now, there are times where, uh, you know, for the traditional students, they have a more concrete path where we talk to them as juniors and have them start thinking about where they might want to go because some of them go out of state as well. Um, so they're an easier group to capture. Our online group uh, isn't in a cohort model. So our online student advisor um, watches their course plan, and mm-hmm. about a year out of of when that student would be starting their final courses, she'll identify them as needing to go on a PPE in the next year. 
So um, we do work with them as well. If for some chance they uh, slow down in the process, or and this actually happens quite often with our our working students, um, something happens where they're just too busy, they're not going to be able to get time off work, or or whatever the case may be. Um, we just work with them in that way, and and we always hope that we don't already have a site uh, lined up because we don't want to drop the ball on anything or have mentors thinking someone's coming and then they don't show up. So we try to avoid that if we can. But mm -hmm. we do know who potentially might be going out on a PPE about a year out. Okay. Um, are, are you the one that, talk to me about those initial, those first initial points of contact for that online student, let's say somebody in Nebraska. Um, does the student first identify here's some sites I want, or, or do you do that? Do you go and say, oh, I see that this student is living uh, in a certain city. Let's see what's available there. Talk me through that process. Okay, yeah, we do help the student through the whole process. However, um, with both traditional and online, we will um, have them identified about a year out, and then we let them know that we'd like to start thinking about their PPE. And we actually ask them to identify their top three sites that they would like to go to. So we we have them do a little legwork. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the, their top site might be a, a facility we don't have any connection to. Mm -hmm. uh, however, that person might. So if they live in a town in Virginia, they may know people at that hospital. So we'll actually ask them um, if they know of people that we could connect with. If we don't have any alums in that area, um, we do ask them to help us out. So really we give them uh, the opportunity to identify their top three choices, and mm -hmm. we, we try to work on that first one first, and if that falls through, we go on to the next. But we do ask that um, they help us out if they can. What we sometimes run into with the out-of-state folks, especially if they're in a rural area, they might not have a ton of options. Um, so. We've asked them to, you know, consider going to another state that's very close by or something right. like that. So we do work with them quite a bit, and thus the five to six month lead time. So it's okay to have the students put a little skin in the game, some commitment sure. as identifying those sites. Would you say uh, for the program that is saying, well, we'll we'll just let the students set up everything in their site? What what would you what would your comment be to that? Well, for us, that's really never been an option we've considered very much. And part of the reason is um, just for our own liability reasons, we have a contract also. You know, this contract is reciprocal with the, the facility, and we wouldn't want the student to not be protected uh, or the facility not be protected because we didn't know what was happening. So um, for that reason, we like to stay involved. And also we find that especially especially now with so many uh, strict uh, security and, and um, legal reasons, students are having a hard time getting their foot in the door to ask for an internship. So again, if they know someone, they might be able to get the ball rolling. But if they are unknown to a facility, it's hard for that facility to uh, trust and work with the students. So we've always done that from the, the college point of view, um, trying to bring some credibility to the request and um, keep that contract solid as well. Well, and I think that's an important point, that 
the fact that it's not a student who may be a, a really a, a novice, but rather, you know, yourself, somebody uh, similar who has a lot of experience and expertise, you're representing the college. And you, as you mentioned, you have that credibility involved in that all-important conversation. Right, right. And I know it, it does take time at, at Scholastica. We're very fortunate that um, we have a, a built-in structure for the PPE process, which we didn't always have. We've started this in the last, I'd say, three to five years. Um, at one point, there was one faculty member who did all PPE activities, and that got very overwhelming, of course, and I'm sure many sure. facilities are in the same situation. Uh, we were able to, um, when that person left us, we were able to fill that role with a half-time faculty role and a half-time staff role for PPE mm -hmm. activities. So we're very fortunate now to have a what we call a program coordinator, and he does all of the searching for sites, contrasting with the sites, working with the students on physicals and background checks and all of those logistical things. And our faculty member focused on PPE can really focus on the curricular components, uh, mm -hmm. making sure they're prepared as far as professionalism and behavior is expected, that the PPE expectations are clear. Uh, they work with the site mentor to so that the expect expectations are clear on that end. And then they do the seminar when they return um, and work with them on uh, how, the, how the visit went, what could have gone better, how they might have done things differently, and then, of course, the job search and RHIA exam and that sort of thing. So we've been able to uh, really split that role from the logistics that can take so much time to really focusing right. on, you know, the faculty portion. So that part-time PPE coordinator who's more logistics-oriented, mm -hmm. is that somebody dedicated to your program, or is that maybe somebody who's doing all of that for the College of Health right. or something? We've been fortunate that he is dedicated to our program. Now, there is, okay. as I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of health uh, science programs, and everyone is trying to find sites. So there has been discussion about uh, somehow consolidating that. Mm -hmm. uh, so far, everyone has such individual needs that it hasn't been practical. Exactly. Uh, so right now we're fortunate to have him dedicated to us. So if if, if you were speaking to other programs, uh, maybe something that you might mention to them is it's worth a, a part-time FTE just to have somebody handle strictly the logistics? Right, absolutely. It's, uh, it's reduced the stress so much as far as um, that one person having to do everything. I mean, also, I think probably the biggest point has been that the faculty member can really focus on the competencies for that student instead of yeah. contracts. So I think that's been a, a very um, positive thing in the department. And even at that, we have a lot of students. So um, I'm the program director. I am not that other faculty person, although I will help her. So I, I teach in a seminar course myself. So it does... Um, even with the change, we still have so many students that, you know, other faculty are brought in. But it's nice to have a focused person both on the faculty side and the staff side. Great. The, the PPE directory, a, a listing, if you will, of, of all of your affiliation sites, do you ever share that with the students so they know what the choices are, or is that really more a high-level thing? Yeah, we'll do that, especially if there's, you know, they know maybe – what area they want to be in, but don't really right. know what facilities are there. So, so yes, we'll give them suggestions of some 
you know, if we know their interest level, um, maybe they we know they like technology, we may share with them uh, not only geographic sites, but also just sites that we know do a lot in that area. So sometimes we, not the online students so much, but the traditional students will sometimes really be willing to go anywhere and yeah. have an interest in something. So we, we do certainly share that. Otherwise, we will um, share just the geographic listing as well. Does, um, does St. Scholastica provide the CEUs to sites that serve as practicum sites or no? Um, we do not. You know how you can give them? Okay. So, right. I think they, um, let's see. No, I don't believe we do anything with that specifically from Scholastica. All right. Um, if a program needs to grow its numbers on sites, what advice would you have for them? In other words, let's say that you it's, it's a program that maybe needs to place 10 students a term, and um, they have uh, perhaps 15 affiliations, and they'd really like to have, you know, 50. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, as we mentioned earlier, just looking outside the box a little bit, um, trying to remember that, you know, HIM is a, a growing profession where our, our graduates are all over the place in a healthcare facility. So even if um, even if you're thinking you only have one site nearby, possibly there's multiple departments that you could work with. Um, so just thinking outside the box in that regard, and then also for the facility type, our students uh, we've intentionally ensured that all of our competencies required for the program are done through our courses, so that our PPE is open to uh, more creativity and uh, variation. We don't have to rely on our students going to a release of information area to meet a competency, for example. Um, so we've kind of opened that PPE up to be much more experiential in a broad sense, and mm -hmm. um, that's helped with finding sites as well. That's a great point, that um, if you're covering all of those um, learning domains, say, for example, in your simulation labs as well as in other traditional methods, then that does free up that 80 hours to um, to have them maximize their experience, however it is, whether it's vendor-based or, or a right. non-traditional placement in a hospital. That's a good point. Right. So um, one of the questions we get from online programs is um, that they're challenged in that when they contact professionals in other states, those professionals say, well, you're not local and, and I don't know anything about you. How, tell me how you maybe streamline your approach to get these sites to cooperate. Yeah, we have run into that a couple of times and certainly can respect that uh, for those areas where maybe there's multiple students already coming. And I think for us, we've been able to, um, again, we, we kind of look towards alumni or recent grads, but also, we try to describe our our PPE experience um, to tell them that it is um, something where they can share what they're doing. It isn't quite as pres prescriptive as they may think. Um, and right. really what we're looking for oftentimes at a facility is to find someone who will set up a schedule for our students so that they can uh, experience a many parts of the organization and really just need a mentor for a touch point or to ask questions, um, mm -hmm. to kind of be a home base. But it isn't that that student is with them for 80 hours 
right. you know, just that one person. So we've been able to make some um, some inroads that way just to des describe the experience and what it will be like if we can um, really get to the point of having that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, to, to kind of um, imagine that you're just sitting down having a coffee with, with another program director who's brand new to the field and is figuring out how to do this PPE. If you could give us your best advice, if you were to finish this sentence, the best advice I have for you is to... I think it would be to be persistent. Uh, every placement requires multiple inquiries, even those that we have an established relationship with. People are busy and might forget to go back to an email. So being persistent and um, trying to work with as many sites and locations as we can. So uh, building relationships through our alumni or at state associations, uh, the national association. But mainly it is just being persistent, and if someone's not getting back to you, don't assume they're not interested. They might just be Exactly. Right, yeah, you, you've got to get through the background noise. It's, <laughs> right. it's not a bad thing, it's just you have to wait your turn to get to get <laughs> right. time with them. So, um, it, it, and, and, and in conclusion, my final question to you is, uh, that same that same conversation, that intimate conversation you're having with another program director, finish this sentence. By experience, I've learned that you shouldn't, in other words, is there something you would like to steer people away from doing that, that you know, learn from my mistakes sort of thing? Right. I would say uh, the biggest thing we've learned is that we shouldn't assume that the students or the mentors are fully prepared without some help from us. So, you know, the College of St. Scholastica has been around a long time. We've been doing this a long time. And sometimes we assume that, oh, yeah, this has been happening for a long time. The mentors know what's coming, or the student understands what a PPE is. And that's what we've learned is we, we don't ever want to assume that they are ready without any preparation. So with the organization structure that we've just implemented, as I mentioned, having that staff person as well as a faculty person, that's where we could really start focusing on preparing the students and the mentors for the experience before the student ever arrives. And that's been probably the most helpful thing uh, for us is ensuring that preparation is done. Well, and that's an excellent point. We, we focus so much on preparing our students to go out that sometimes we may just say, oh, good, they said yes, and, and then you don't really appreciate it. You've got to, you still have to prepare that site manager right. as well. Right, right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Pam. I, I appreciate um, your sharing with us some tips and advice, and um, thanks so much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.